game one is the big story. Darcy Kemper gets a start for the Avalanche. We're joined by Elliot Friedman in advance of game one. We're finally here, Friedge. Good, uh, good afternoon. How are you today? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm good. You're well refreshed, ready to get at it. The uh, the final series of the year, 82 games, three rounds, you know, some COVID pauses, you know, some some long faces about no uh, NHL participation in the Olympics. But uh, but we got here and, you know, coming out of a, a bubble playoffs, coming out of a COVID, you know, shortened season last year. This is as close as we're going to get to regular. Uh, your thoughts on what we see tonight? Wow. I, you know, I had to tell you, I didn't even think about it that way, Jeff. I sort of just kind of look forward and not back. So um, I kind of, yeah, it's kind of interesting when you put it all that way. I'm looking forward to it. I think it should be a, a great series. I'm I, I'm really excited about it. Um, I, you know, I Jared Bednar is putting up the smoke screen this morning, not confirming <laughs> a starting goalie, putting, uh, calling Cadre and, Cogliano day to day um you know I I'm really looking forward to it I think it's going to be a great series and you know talking to the two teams yesterday you can tell like there's a lot of really confident um comfortable people here that uh, like their chances like these are two teams that really like their chances have a lot of respect for the opponent but mm. really like their chances I'm the thing I'm watching tonight is you know, Tampa came in and they they practiced yesterday. I, I've you know you see some teams sometimes they come in for a game one in, in Denver and the alt and the altitude kills them. And yep. I'm just wondering how Tampa, you know, weathers that tonight with two days off before game two. You know, there's a couple of things here that you, that you wonder about. And I was you know going over this before you came on. Uh, and the uh, listen, the altitude is certainly a factor for some teams. Uh, I was talking historically about Stanley Cup Finals, and we think always about the Ottawa Senators in 2007 when you have a, a, a layoff that is as lengthy as Colorado has had. You know, historically, eight days. The Senators had eight days in 2007. The Oilers had yep. eight days in 2006. The Ducks had 10 days in 2003, and the Bruins had 10 days in 2019. None of those teams were able uh, to lift the Stanley Cup. So history not on the, as far as rest goes, history not on the side of the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, there's the altitude story. At the at the end of it, how is this thing going to get decided, though? Because it's not going to get decided based on how many days rest you had. I don't think it's going to get decided based on altitude, not with these athletes. Where does where does this thing, where does this thing get decided? I, I think a lot of it is going to be overall health, Jeff. Like, you know, we, we, we're expecting point tonight. Like basically... Uh, if the only way Point wasn't going to play tonight is if he woke up this morning and just wasn't right mm-hmm. uh, after skating pretty hard yesterday. So that's a big one for Tampa. Um, you know, Cogliano, I, I think he's a bit ahead of where Kadri is. Um, I, I think Colorado was hoping that Kadri could be available next week in the middle of the series. I think they were hoping Cogliano would be a bit beforehand. Uh, we know Kemper is healthy. At least that's what they said yesterday. You know, the one of the biggest differences between this series and some of the ones we've seen recently, like if you remember the last full final, it was Boston St. Louis in 2019, um, and that one was every travel day was two days off between games, and mm-hmm. I remember it made the series really long. But I remember talking about people like. One thing that we really liked about it was you had the best chance for health. 
Like, as that series got on, like, people who were banged up or had something that they could play through, they always had two days before games. And the players felt that that made a big difference. This is going to be every after after game two, this is every yeah. other day. There's only – so I, I really do think that health is going to be a huge factor in this series. So I'm just reading Peter Baugh's tweet here from The Athletic who covers the Avalanche. Darcy Kemper is in the net usually used by starters. I'd expect him to start yep. game one of the Stanley Cup final. I mean, how much of a factor can this be um, for the Avalanche? I mean, I, I think the the only goaltender that could, you know, stare down Andre Vasilevsky um, is Igor Shosturkin. Uh, and that's over and, and done with. It'll still be advantage Tampa here. But this is this is a real shot in the arm for the Avalanche for each. Yeah, yes, it is. Um, you know, they they like Fransos. They have a lot of belief in Fransos. But I would they pick Frankie. Kemper over. They, yeah, they chair yeah. Frankie in the I, rink. Uh, I have. I would pick Kemper over him if 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 I had my choice. Um, and you know, I I think he's, he's he's facing the best in the world, the the best in the world, the number one goalie, all alone on his tier. And mm-hmm. uh, you, you know, you you have to at least battle him to a standstill. And I think that's uh, that's what Kemper's going to be asked to do. You know, one of the things that I like about this one is um, a lot of times, and I was give, uh, bringing up the example of, of Brian Burke in 2007, like right away after he wins the Stanley Cup, he defers to Murray and says, like, look, the, I, I, he did a lot of the heavy lifting here and, and put, the, put this team together. I'm here. I put some finishing touches on it, but it's not just my Stanley Cup. When yesterday we talked about Joe Sakic and Julian Brisebois, but if you look at Colorado, you know, the only two players that Sakic didn't bring in are Gabriel Landeskog and Nathan McKinnon. Everybody else was brought in by Joe Sakic. Julian Brisebois, either as an AGM or now general manager, you know, the only players that he wasn't, you know, at least partially responsible for bringing in are Stamkos, Hedman, and Kalorn. Like we look at this Stanley Cup final, and this is somewhat unique sometimes. And we look at this and we say, these are really these two general managers' teams. Like, you know mm-hmm. what I'm going for here, Freege? Like, this is really Joe Sackick's team. This is mm-hmm. really Julian Brisebois' team. No one's really inherited. Like, sometimes the GM will, you know, still be coasting on the fumes of what a, you know, one general manager or two general managers previous have already put together. This is Sackick's team and this is Brisebois' team, period. Agree, disagree. Agree. I, I don't know how you could really argue it. Um, I, I, in second case, especially, I think you could also extend Breezebo's arms to the fact that you know he was there under Eiserman, and so yeah. and, and so a lot of the contract work that got done. Uh, That's what I'm saying. Yeah, like as an EGM. Yeah. yeah, yeah, was was on, was him, and I, I completely agree. These are. These are their teams, and Sackick in particular, the coaching decision. You know, he a lot of GMs might not have kept Bednar after that first year, but he did, and it turned out to be a long time smart move. Okay, so let's uh, let's bracket this conversation here for a couple of moments. Looking forward to this one. The puck drops just after eight o'clock on Hockey Night in Canada, Sportsnet and CBC. It is the Avalanche facing off against the Tampa Bay Lightning pregame uh, at seven thirty Eastern. Um, some coaching uh, news and notes. 
Uh, yesterday, the Vegas Golden Knights making it official. They have hired Bruce Cassidy as their new bench boss. So he inherits a veteran team, a uh, veteran mm-hmm. team with players like uh, Alex Petrangelo, certainly Jack Eichel, Mark Stone, Max Pacioretty, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We know the goalie issue is still very much out there. Uh, will any of their goaltenders be healthy enough uh, to start the season? Uh, what do you make of the hiring? Before we get into what this means you know, for the, the team itself, what do you make of this hiring? Um, I think it, was, it began to trend this way uh, towards the end of last week. Um, I, I don't know that Trotz Vegas was ever close. Um, I, you know, I think they were talking, but I don't think it was ever close. Uh, Jim Montgomery, I heard, had a really good interview there. But towards the end of last week, I really started to hear a lot of Cassidy in Vegas. And before I did the show on Saturday night, Jeff, when you were playing hooky, uh, <laughs> I, I checked in I checked in with some people and I said, look, I'm, I'm really hearing Cassidy to Vegas. And, uh, you know, people just told me that was premature, but there was definite interest. And I had some people tell me on Sunday that Cassidy to Vegas was going to be done Monday, which obviously didn't happen. It was yesterday, um, but it was clearly trending hard in that direction. And I, and I think I still think that Cassidy went through a couple other interviews too, just to make sure. But you know, I, I think <clears throat> excuse me, somebody told me at the end of last week that it was really trending towards Cassidy in Vegas, and obviously that turned out to be true. I'm. I'm not surprised that they went down that road. I, I think he was the guy uh, that they that they wanted when he became available. I think it, it became a guy right at the top of their list, and they were going to be determined to get him. You know, he um, he takes over now a a veteran team. I mean, there are some younger players, and we think of guys like Nick Hague, and we think of you know Nolan Patrick and uh, these types of players. But this this is primarily a veteran team that he inherits, although when you look at it, Freed, this is this is a team that still has a little salary cap managing to do. We'll probably yeah. lose a player or two. You go to cap friendly and you look at you know how much cap space they have available right now and it's two hundred thousand yeah. dollars. and there's still a Nick Hague deal uh to do. There's a Brett Howden deal uh to do as well. Like and to say nothing, listen, I don't know this what this is gonna mean for for Riley Smith. He ends up testing free agency. It, first of all, it feels like a Bruce Cassidy type team. Good defensive structure, etc. Have to do something on the power play. Um, mm-hmm. He's used to coaching defense first forwards, specifically with Patrice Bergeron now with Mark Stone. Um, what do you make of this team that he inherits? Like, what do you make of this team that Bruce Cassidy has now? Well, you know that they're demanding, right? Yes. They took a step back this year, and they viewed that internally as unacceptable. So, you know, Boston had a lot of demands, too. They expect it to be a contender every year. And, you know, Cassidy will be prepared for that. I I agree with you. I think it's going to be interesting to see how they shape their roster. How are they going to go about moving things around? How are they going to go about uh, getting underneath the cap? Um, You know, you and I have have talked about how we believe that they've, they've worked on something with Riley Smith. Yep. Um, so we'll see, like, how do you add that to the equation? I think we're all very curious to see how this is going to work. The other thing, too, by the way, Jeff, is that uh, Vegas was a team that took a lot of shots from the point last year. I'm not sure that they were the most, but they were up there. I wonder if that's going to change. 
So the the one I'm 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 that's interesting you bring that up because uh, the one thing that I was always told about Peter DeBoer was, and we saw this play itself out most specifically with Vegas. Pete DeBoer believed a lot in creating offense off of rebounds, and it all began from the shot from the point. It wasn't the idea that we're going to score from the point, but that's where we're going to make rebounds, and that's the types of that they said. I can't remember whether it was him or someone else commenting, saying like the majority of goals in in uh, in, in the postseason are all scored on rebounds. So the entire offense was all about get the bomb from the point, not because we want it to go in, but we want it to squirt somewhere where we can have a good second chance. I, I I'm with you. I wonder if that changes now. Yeah, I think that's going to be one of the things that Vegas talks about. Um, one more quick Vegas note: uh, Is there a future for Yevgeny Dodonov still there? One more year. He on played term. well. He, he played, played great. Well. He played awesome. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I have to say, I, you know, there's obviously I think that, you know, he got leaned on to to make that deal happen, and he stuck to his guns, which I respect. Um, put it this way, I, I don't think anybody would be surprised if they tried to move him to a team he didn't need to improve, but after the way he played. I would be careful about that. He was good uh, for them. He really was. He was excellent. Um, so with Bruce Cassidy out of the mix, mm-hmm. um, because he was one of the teams he was talking with were the Dallas Stars, does this now open a runway for Peter DeBoer with Dallas? I th- like, so last week, I, I, was, I, was, I think I was slightly premature. Um, I still think Peter DeBoer is the favorite in Dallas. And I, I will say this, some other coaches have told me that they expect that to happen, um, but it's not done until it's done. And Dallas is going through a process, and I, I'll just say this. I, I think he and Cassidy were the favorites. As you yeah. said, Cassidy is off the board, so I look at DeBoer as the favorite. In the coaching fraternity world, uh, they all seem to think that that's a very likely match marriage, but, uh, I guess, you know, two sides have to, somebody has got to propose and somebody has got to accept before <laughs> you can head to the altar. Right. Which I'm, I, I am curious to, um, of all the coaching vacancies right now, which team intrigues mm-hmm. you the most? Like, is there one? I mean, I think for a lot of us, it's Detroit because, you know, the, the message is so, you know, veiled there that, that nothing gets out. You, you wonder where it's all going to end up. Um, yeah, but I think there, we're waiting until the end of the Stanley Cup final to see. To, yeah. unless, unless he's been allowed to talk to the Tampa guys and we just don't know about it yet. Right. Um, is, is, that the, is that the search that intrigues you the most? Um. Well, I, I think I think I was, I would probably say Winnipeg because Canadian team, you know, that's yeah. that's the one that I would uh, I would say. Um, but you know, the Vegas one just because of the year they had, the Philly one I, I think was interesting because it's Philly. Um, I, there is something fun about the Detroit one because you know Iserman like basically threatens people with death if their names get out. <laughs> and uh, you know, I, I I would say I would say probably the one that is the most interesting to me is the Winnipeg one, because mm-hmm. like like the thing here with Trots is, so I don't think Trots and Vegas got close. I don't think I I do think Trots and Philly were very serious, 
I think I think the Flyers were very very serious about Barry Trotz. I think he was their top choice, um, and I think he I think he decided to go in another direction. I think he told them yesterday that he was going in another direction or it wasn't going to be Philly, and they went to Tortorella, who they hope to finalize tomorrow. Um, but that's kind of where we are, and I think so. Now you're sitting here and you're saying, okay, well. The, the uh, I don't think Trot's going to Dallas. I don't think I don't think he's on their radar anymore. Um, so all of a sudden we're starting to look here and saying, okay, which door is it? And I think Winnipeg is in is in it. Um, I, I mean I, I don't know about Detroit. I, I know I'm pretty sure he's talked to them. I suspect Boston is around it. I'm sure they've at least talked, mm-hmm. but. You know, suddenly the doors are getting, and unless he decides he's not going to coach next year, which I don't think will happen, I, I think he's going. I think he's going to coach. Mm-hmm. You know, like the there's fewer and fewer doors to open here, and I think it's a good sign, at least for the Jets, that you know I, I don't have a sense he said no to them yet. Free beers on the table. Yes, you want to beg for Barry Trotz. Free beer is very much on the table if that uh, if that pushes you uh, over, over the edge. Um, you know, and though there was a lot of talk about Trotz buying a house in Nashville yesterday, um, you know, I, I don't know if I necessarily like. One of the things I did think is if he went into management right now, it might be with the Predators mm-hmm. that they they would be willing to say if you want to come into management, come join us. Um, it could like that kind of stuff doesn't always throw me. You know, some people, uh, like, it doesn't necessarily mean to me that I would say that is a huge sign one way or the other. I know some people looked at it yesterday, like, what does this mean? And, it, it, you know, sometimes it doesn't mean any more than the guy really likes Nashville, and that might be his place whenever he's done. Hmm. Let me ask you about your favorite Stanley Cup final of all time. And before we get there, I'll give you a chance okay. to think about it. My favorite, and you've heard me talk about 87 a lot, mm-hmm. the 1987 Stanley Cup final between Philadelphia and Edmonton is probably my favorite Stanley Cup final. And the one game specifically is game six. Mm-hmm. That's one of the best games I've ever seen in my life. Game six, Edmonton, Philadelphia. The Oilers score... The... Oilers scored two goals in the first period. Kevin Lowe, and I'm blanking on who scored the second goal, but it's 2 nothing after 20 minutes of play. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Edmonton can close out in Philly. And then second period, Lindsey Carson scores. Brian Propp scores in the third to tie it up. And then J.J. Daniel. You know, we always think mm-hmm. of the big four in Philadelphia on the blue line, McCrimmon, Crossman, Marsh, and Howe. Yep. J.J. Daniel, the great number five, you know, the great fifth defenseman on that team scores. And Elliot, at that point, and you can like, hear it through the television, I don't know that I've heard a louder building than mm-hmm. when, when Daniel scored to keep the Philadelphia Flyers alive and then forced a game seven where ultimately – the Oilers won. That was my favorite Stanley Cup final series. I just mm-hmm. loved everything about Edmonton, Philadelphia. Do you have an equivalent to my Edmonton, Philadelphia, 87? Uh, I would say there are some finals. I, I, I always liked the one I liked watching. That was a great final, by the way. It's a great pick. Oh, awesome. The one I remember watching uh, as a teenager was 89 Calgary over uh, Montreal just because the Lanny McDonald goal. Lanny. I always yeah. thought that was a, that was a very special moment in, in, in game six. Um, so I've always kind of liked that one a lot. 
but the the one I pick is is simply the one that was the the one of the great professional experiences uh, of my career. It was a great final. Um, it was. And the people I worked with, we had an unbelievable time. Like, really too good a time in a lot of ways, Jeff. Like, the, <laughs> the, the stories off the ice in that series, uh, the, the stories off the ice in that series were probably as good as the ones on the ice. It was just a completely wild scene. And the, it, it was it was a good, it was, it was an entertaining final with a lot of drama. And the people I worked with were great. And that really made it. And, uh, you know, it was 2000. What final was it? Hang on. You, yeah, you haven't said which one it was. Yeah, two, you haven't well, said which one know, it was. I, I just, you know, I, I, I know it brings up a lot of bad memories in, in Vancouver. And I just wanted to explain why I always say that one. Oh, it's just okay. Pro- professionally, professionally, that was the, the greatest uh, final I ever worked. That was, I, I can still remember thinking to myself, I'm going to get beaten up because Scott Morrison, who was on the show uh, yeah. here yesterday talking about his new book on 1972 in the Summit series. So we're doing the iDesk. And I remember when the first explosion happened outside the post office, we got mm-hmm. hustled into CBC quick. And later on, we tried to make our way, you know, through the the fighting and the fires and the the, the mob and everything. And Scott and I, like in our little suits and briefcases, trying to get back to the hotel, you know, there's like one big brawl going on, and someone says, "Hey, look, it's the eye desk guys," and we're like, "Oh man, we're get we're so we're so getting punched out here for age." <laughs> and essentially picked up the pace to try to get it back, but that was a great final. I, I remember yeah. just how how excited Vancouver was, uh, how they played, um, the emotional you know roller coaster that 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 both sides went on like all of that that was you're right like on the ice off the ice drama that was a great crew pj heels like and shirley najak like that was that was an outstanding crew for each that was actually that was that was my i'm not not sure that healy was on that final i can't remember uh wasn't i thought healy was part i know pj was for sure pj was I thought Heels was too. I'd have to check back and remember. I'm not sure if he was on that final. I can't remember. That was my last one with CBC before I went to Sportsnet. I remember that oh. like two weeks later. That was my last one. That was that was a uh, yeah. That was a fun one. I love I love that. That was the one where uh, when the series was in Boston, Scott and I would be in Vancouver in the rink because they like almost you know, sold out every game at the uh, at, at the rink in in Vancouver. To, uh, to to watch the games as we had the IDES set up there. That was a great one. That was a, that yeah. was a lot of fun and a, a lot of skill. And I know it might be a, a wound that uh, Vancouver Canucks fans <laughs> certainly don't want to uh, reopen or remember. Well, listen, yeah. this one should be a good one too. Like it's mm-hmm. there's no Cinder there's no Cinderella story here, folks. Mm-hmm. This is two heavyweights. This is Tampa and this is Colorado. May the best team win. Who the best team is? No clue. Um, mm-hmm. Thanks for each. Enjoy game one. I'm jealous that you're there. All right, buddy. I'll speak to you soon. We'll check. Elliot Friedman from 32 Thoughts and Hockey Night in Canada. Game one tonight, 730 Eastern pregame. Puck drops just after eight. 